In this podcast, we are joined by Joe Logan, who works for the BHSF, British Hospitals Saturday Fund, who supply an employee assistance programme to RWT. If you wish to access the EAP service, you can call 0800 015 7284. You can also, alternatively, if you wish, check out their online support, such as their guides and podcasts. Head to Workplace Wellbeing Resources on the Wellbeing site. So, Joe, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm Joe, Joe Logan. I'm working for BHSF and I look after uh, many NHS trusts. Um, Wolverhampton and Dudley are, are one of my main ones where they have the EAP service from us, which is the um, the counselling service, but not just the counselling side of it. It's also the non-clinical, which is the legal and financial support that every single employee is entitled to. What does BHSF stand for? It stands for the Birmingham Hospital Saturday Fund. And if you're interested, we're 150 years old this year. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you very much. I've only been here six years, but today I feel like I'm 150 <laughs> years old also. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, what is an, empl- an employee assistance programme for those who don't know what one is? Okay, so an employee assistance programme is... Um, it doesn't really say anything in the word in a lot of lots of my customers call it the 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 mental health and well-being number um, because what it is it gives support for uh, anybody that's struggling with any form of mental ill health um, but then it also um, gives advice on legal and financial support also um, but it's not just for the employee it's for any adult family member over the age of 16 that lives at home with the employee would you say as you said like eip covers a like a vast majority of uh issues and as you've said the the name doesn't really give away what it is do you think eap fits the whole scope of what you offer absolutely not <laughs> no no um many times people just you know what is an employee assistance program and it's so much more than the three words that unfortunately it's been given um it, it covers everything people say you know what what can i call for and i just say anything that keeps you awake over night time apart from children they can't help with kids screaming um but anything that keeps you awake um it, they're there they're there to support you for whichever reason or issue you've got so um one of the one of the um points that you pointed out that um eip does help with is counseling so if a member of staff was to need counseling support um what is the process that they have to go through in order to be able to get that support so they phone up on on the number that hopefully you're going to be sharing um and they are going to be asked what trust they're calling from um that's all the information we really need to know um they get asked their name they don't need to give their name um that could be mickey mouse for all we care as long as they're getting the support that, that that they need so they call in then they have a core 10 assessment and the core 10 assessment is just 10 questions to see how unwell the individual is 
Um, and once they have that assessment, then the councillor then works out when the sessions will need to take place. So if you phone in and on a call 10 and you are relatively low, then you might not need counselling for two weeks, let's say, and that's when it can start. Somebody calls in on a nine, they're booked in pretty much straight away because they're the ones that are really struggling. Um, and then you um, you have an initial chat with the counsellor. Um, obviously, you've got to feel comfortable with the counsellor. Sometimes there might be, they don't feel that they want to speak to a male, let's say, if they're female or vice versa. Um, once you feel safe with that counsellor and you think that the relationship can, can work well, then they'll book you in for, for the rest of your sessions. How many... How many sessions do you tend, like, what is the, not the maximum, because obviously we all know that, like, if things are a bit more complex and you can offer more sessions, but what is the standard amount of sessions that an employee could have? So the standard on the service that you guys have is six. If the individual requires any further sessions, um, then what we do is we go back to the trust and ask if they will um, pay for the additional sessions. Um, nine times out of ten, that that's always the case because the individual might might not necessarily need an extra two or three, like you've just said, Zoe. That the case becomes more complex then, um, and it's it's a choice then between whether the individual goes off ill or they get the support they need and, and continue to be at work as well. So. And if they, um, you said before that they can be Mickey Mouse for all you care, but after mm -hmm. that initial contact, if they then go on to have sessions, do we need to know who Mickey Mouse is at that point? Um, I'm sure the councillor will, um, will, will, you know, get that rapport with them and they'll find out their name. But if they want to stay Mickey Mouse forever, then they can stay Mickey Mouse forever. Okay. That's brilliant. Thank We've you. had a few Mickey Mouses calling. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I think the reason for this is because when when a, a company puts such a thing in place and we try and say as much as we possibly can, it's confidential. There's always that little thing in the back of the mind that actually if the company's paying for it, they're going to find out who it is. And that's just not the case. So. We don't need to know names. We just need to make sure that they're getting the support they need. So if they want to be Mickey Mouse for six sessions, they can be Mickey Mouse for six sessions. Thank you. Um, as we're on the topic of like confidentiality, um, your service obviously says that it is confidential. But um, what does that actually mean in terms of the information that you have to give back to the employer? Because obviously you can't just go we're not giving you this information because obviously they need to know the amount of like staff that are contacting. What kind of information do you have to give back? So the reports that we give to the employer on a quarterly basis are number of calls, whether that's legal, uh, sorry, whether that's clinical or non-clinical, so mental ill health or legal and financial. Um, the um, it, It's split, male-female. Um age range sometimes within the trust as well it gives departments um, but again that's down to the individual if they want to say what department they might want to say i'm a nurse i'm an admin that's absolutely fine that's how it gets broken down um and the reasons why they're calling into the service so not mickey mouse has called in four um but it's if five people have called in let's say 
Uh, three might be for depression and low mood. Two might be for um, bereavement. Um, so the, the the company then kind of find out what's going on within their workforce without not necessarily knowing who the individuals are. And that is it. Oh, sorry. And then they have a graph. The employer has a graph. So people coming into the service and then how they leave the service. So it gives them an understanding of how many people have actually had some form of structured counselling with us also. What um, duty of care does um, BHSF give to um, the individual that's assessing, wrong word, accessing the service? Yeah, so the, the only time safeguarding and duty of care really kicks in place and confidentiality gets thrown out the window is, uh, is when we receive the calls that we don't like to receive. Um, and then that's when everybody gets called police, ambulance, employer. Um, and a lot of people say, uh, just going back, Lisa, on what you says is, well, if they're Mickey Mouse, how do we know who they are? It's the number they call on. So if we receive a call of somebody that is really unwell and, and they say something or likewise, they don't say anything and put the phone down. We don't know who we're talking to, but we've got a number and that's how we kind of approach trying to get them the help they need mm -hmm. that makes sense um you covered it um a while ago when you said that you split it into um obviously your non-clinical and your clinical um aspects what um so you obviously said that you cover legal and physical the physical element what do those services provide so the so the, the non-clinical stuff is your legal and financial. So within your EAP, you have access to legal service from Erwin Mitchell solicitors. So we use a third party and they can help you and represent you free of charge up until the point of you having to go to court. So they'll help with letters, they'll help with lots of information that you might need. Also on the online portal, there's a lot of fact sheets that you can get access to from Erwin uh, Mitchell. And then the financial side, we use a company called Auriga, um, and people can call in and Auriga can help with any finances that they're struggling with. So if the individual feels safe enough to share what's going on with, with their finances, Auriga will take all that pressure off them and kind of work a solution what can best suit that individual. Um, and we really push on that at the moment because especially with the financial side is um you know everyone's struggling with finances at the moment electricity is going up house prices mortgage all that kind of stuff if you get that sorted then hopefully your mental health won't struggle so we, we really concentrate on on the non-legal side um i think when people hear about an eap as well um not that it says what it does on the tin and they automatically think counselling and it's so much more than just counselling. Mm. So in terms of the finances that you just mentioned Joe, is there a kind of financial advice element to it that you're talking about here or is it strictly if somebody's in some kind of financial difficulties that you'd support them? Yeah it's more financial difficulties where they're struggling yeah mm. yeah that, that's uh, that's kind of what I read to do. Yeah. Mm. Makes sense. Just a random question. So with the legal aspect, does it cover like, does it cover like whatever, like 
this probably doesn't make sense, but does it cover like whatever legal thing that you might have going on? It's not like yeah, yes. So it can cover um, moving house. Um, it can cover a big one that we have is the left hand side of my fence, mine or my neighbours, <laughs> um, all that kind of stuff. The only thing, unfortunately, going through divorce, um, lot, all information like that. The only thing that we only provide citizens advice on is employment law. And the reason we do that is because the employer is paying for the service. So we wouldn't represent an employee going against the employer because it's the service. But you can still get citizens advice, employment law. Okay. okay. Um, this is just like a random one that me and also Lisa wanted to know. So um, generally speaking, what are the top three things that um, people call in about? Um, generally, um, work-related stress. Um, bereavement is still quite high up there. Um, and I would also say, unfortunately, um, domestic violence. Um, they're they're kind of the, the top three that are always there or thereabouts on any kind of pie chart. And I'd be able to look after many, many, many organisations. But it is those those three. But then we have it in peaks and troughs. So come Christmas time, it may change. Um, you know, during the summer, it's not really we, we, we receive calls, but the bereavement might dip a bit, but it's always there. But work related stress and relationship issues is, is another big one that people call in for. So so you mentioned calling in, but you also mentioned the portal. What what does the portal what what, what would we find there if if we so on the on the portal uh, that you've got access to is, is pretty much everything what we've tried and done is replicate everything online for whatever people might want to to call up for. Um, we understand that the hardest thing to do is pick up the phone and um, ask for help. So if they're not really in that right headspace or they don't feel that they're just not there yet to, to need that support, um, they can go on the portal and there's a load of um, downloadable PDFs and that covers, um, like I say, bereavement, anxiety, depression, low mood, domestic violence, unfortunately, suicidal ideation, not eating, not sleeping. And you can kind of start helping yourself if you don't want to pick up the phone there's also audiobooks on there as well so people have a choice of um how they want to either read or or listen to it um as well as that you've got all the breakdown stuff on the the telephone numbers which is the same but it gives you a big list of um an overview of Owen Mitchell uh, and an overview of Riga but then what you've also got on there are podcasts that people can listen to so we try and look at the well-being calendar that's out and about there so the big one at the moment is menopause um even though menopause has been going around forever um it's the buzzword so there's going to be a menopause podcast we've got anxiety uh we've got uh, a resilience podcast on there um we for january we had alcohol and me because obviously people like to give it up for a month um so we try and pop podcast in there as well that people can listen to it makes <clears throat> it makes the eip accessible for everyone then doesn't it because while like some people like to pick up the phone 
like i know lisa you'd pick up the phone in heartbeat wouldn't you whereas i'm very much i hate answering the phone i hate talking to people so i would much rather be i'd much rather look on the portal and see actually can i help myself before i ask for help so yeah. it makes it accessible for everyone then doesn't it yeah absolutely and some of the um the stuff that you've just mentioned the kind of resources available are they available in, in different formats for example um so i don't know you mentioned um audio i'm just thinking are people able to sort of order stuff in different languages or um braille or that kind of thing or is it no uh, no, at the moment, it, it literally is just PDF, um, easy reads and audio. That's not to say we can't because we can. We can. Um, we, we do have counselling in, in other languages, um, but that is an additional uh, additional cost to, to the employer. But we, we can do that. Um, we've never really been asked for Braille. But again, it's something that, you know, why not? Absolutely. Mm. Mm. So people can, when they initially contact you for support, it may be that um, English isn't their first language or they have a preferred language that they want to communicate in. And, and if they let you know that, then you will do your best to kind of match up um, the, 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 the appropriate counsellor. Abs yes, absolutely. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we thought it would be a good idea because... Um, a lot of our staff that they're aware of what eap is but um i don't think they fully understand the whole massive scope of what eap can offer so we have a few scenarios that we'd just like to run through of what would happen in that scenario if that makes sense yeah um so if an employee contacted the helpline and said they were being bullied at work would you be able to talk us through the process of what would happen and how their information would be kept safeguarded? Um, yeah, they, they would call in, obviously. Um, they would speak to somebody, they'd go into some form of structured counselling um, and whatever he says would stay between um, the, the individual and the counsellor. Um, I would also probably has the guess that the councillor wouldn't um what trying to say yeah not none none of that would however bad it was or um the councillor would never break confidentiality what they might say is you need to move this forward um and like you say that's when duty of care kicks in but that councillor would never break any of that it would it would come back to me if i was managing the account to see how we go about doing that but if that individual does not give consent then nothing nothing gets shared whatsoever mm -hmm. uh, what happens if there's a conflict of interest like say if like i called and like say lisa called about the same um the same scenario that was happening so you're both doing it together N like say if i not that Lisa would like say if like I was saying that my line manager was bullying me. So Lisa, so Lisa was bullying you, yeah. So if we were made aware of it, and and this has happened before, if we're made aware of it, then we will never let the two councillors look after the same individual mm. ever. Mm. But we need to be made aware of that, and that's kind of where I think when people do call in and it's got to such a such a place, HR are already involved. 
um, or a manager is already involved and, and understands what's going on. And that's when we're going to keep these people away from each other. And likewise, the councillors don't talk about it either. It's very, very separate. Mm. But I guess in that scenario, you're actually uh, you need the people to identify who they are to some extent, because, you know, if I was Mickey Mouse and Zoe came on as Cinderella, um, how would you actually know you were on about those two people? So I guess, uh, you know, and I know this is a huge leap of faith for some people, but actually, if you do feel able to be open and honest about who you are, you're actually going to get the better service from someone at the end of the day. 100% yeah absolutely um but the individuals got to feel safe um and, and got to feel safe enough to open up um you know just going back to your scenario the only times that we've ever found out um if bullying is going on is because it's got so far um and there's internal stuff going on um and they're aware of these individuals if two people like you've just said Zoe if you call in um and speak to somebody uh, and you're saying Lisa's doing this, that and the other, that counsellor is not going to know Lisa from Adam. Yeah. Uh, and because we've got such a big um, such a big side of the counselling, that, that the counsellors might not even ever talk to each other. Uh, and just putting on Wolverhampton Trust, you're talking 12,500 people. Mm. So it would only become brought to light if the trust make us aware of it. And then, like I say, we do everything to... Mm to not like cloud, cloudy the boundaries so to speak so mm. um obviously we um we touched on like the financial element earlier um so it's been in the press a lot about the cost of living crisis and um the impact on nhs staff so what can um what can eip offer staff regarding like cost of living crisis and not being able to pay the bills if they're struggling paying for their bills uh they they can if the individual feels um that they would like it to then Arigo will literally so let's say you've got credit card um two credit cards store cards or everything like that and all your outgoings um they can help consolidate it so you will get one payment a month going out rather than six seven eight nine uh and and they normally do it like the day or the day after you get paid if that works with you because then it's out then uh and and it's not like oh my god i've got four days or payday and i've got this hundred pound going out my debit card and i've got no money or anything like that so they'll just work with you to to help you better understand um how how the money situation can work but then likewise on the portal there's lots of other information on how you can save money um and you know we've, we've just used the swear word electricity you, they give you lots of different things on it you know if you're due to renew um while well, look at this because this is this and this is that um and then also um and i'm sure everybody's aware of it but please look at your blue light discounts and things like that because there are so many discounts you're getting not through retail not just retail and hospitality mm -hmm. it's also the electric gas and everything like that that's coming on board now that we're seeing so um yeah use that no. Save loads of money. you just mentioned about the support they give maybe in consolidating debt and i just want to be sort of clear something up that's a bit unclear in my mind are they a company that will actually give you the loan or are they somebody that's giving you the advice about where to go 
yeah just yeah. the advice just the advice on how to do it and best to do it um and the reasons why you want to do it mm -hmm. um and then it, it yeah they're 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 giving you something that will not be turned away if you know what i mean okay so um and they just help with with like i like say the bills that are coming out Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. thank you yeah, there's no there's no money there's no loans there's no nothing like that it's just all information and help and support by um making making one payment rather than making seven or eight payments mm -hmm. that makes sense um as we're on the topic of financial advice as well um what would happen if like a member um, of like a colleague's family were looking for, for financial advice yeah. and you give them support as well yep yeah again they just need to say where they're calling from um when you may say that do you mean that when so if my son for some reason wanted to ring up he would say that he comes under royal wolverhampton trust yeah. and he's a, yeah. and he's a a family member of us you don't even need to know that okay okay just royal wolverhampton trust okay um another scenario um if you were to be diagnosed with a health condition like say um i don't know there's so like what what support can you offer in that like regard um it would if if anybody's diagnosed with anything let's use, use the big one cancer um it would be if that individual was struggling mentally with it um so it would be you know I, I can only imagine if you are diagnosed with it the physical aspect of it and all the operations the chemo the radio the, all that kind of stuff and that's physically to your body imagine what's what it's doing to your brain as well because you can't do this you can't go there you don't want to see this person that person's got a cold you don't want to see them because your white blood count might rise and you're fighting infection all that kind of stuff so it's it's mentally and being I guess being able to um, to fight it, because what they say, it's 90% here, it's 10% everywhere else. So if you are struggling or you need to speak to somebody, um, then it's all around how you feel mentally uh, and how you can move forward with that. And if a, a member of staff was impacted by a family member's um, condition, can you also offer support for that as well? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. the, so family members that they, they're then not only able to access kind of financial support and the legal side of things, but also if they required counselling, they could come through EAP. Absolutely, as long as they live at the same address and they're over sixteen. Yeah, they have access to up to six structured sessions. Yeah, mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. any on any topic as well or mm -hmm. any issue, should I say? So, if somebody calls in, classic. Somebody calls in. Um, they've lost somebody suddenly uh, and they they need some form of structured counselling for bereavement um, and they have their sessions and then six months later because of how that somebody passed and it's really affected them and they've started to drink more, um, take drugs, not, not eat, not say anything like that, then they can call back in and have sessions for that individual issue mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. and all of the sessions if you were to offer them they're all on the telephone there's nothing face to face i know some people have 
as Zoe pointed out earlier, that kind of thought that phone is like a barrier and yes. some people prefer to be sat in a room with someone. What are the options for those kind of people? Uh, no, unfortunately, with the service you guys have got, it, it is telephone. Um, that's not to say if somebody did call up uh, and spoke to the councillor and the councillor felt that they this individual needed virtual face to face and look in the whites of their eyes um then it would get it would come back to me and then we'd see what we can do with with virtual or face to face okay so it's still an option to explore still an option, for people. Still an option yeah but we, we would have to get it signed off yeah um and and again it happens you know it does get signed off because this individual needs needs the help so mm. Mm. what qualifications do your helpline staff have to support our colleagues Mm, that's a good one. Well, I'm guessing if they're counsellors, they will be qualified counsellors with clinical they supervision are. in place for a start, I'm hoping. <laughs> Correct. They are all qualified counsellors. Um, I will, I, yeah, I've got a big list of all, all this stuff for you, that, but they're, they're all qualified. They're all we don't have anybody that's not worked within counselling for three years. So whoever join us, they've already worked somewhere for 36 months. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously we, we've got tiers of, um, of kind of hierarchy and, and what people need to, what, what cases people need to pick up on. So uh, I think we use it the same as the NHS because the, the two people, both of my clinical leads are RX NHS um, workers nurses um so you've got bronze silver gold so depending on the calls the gold goes to the people that have worked within counseling for i won't say hundreds of years because if tracy or amanda ever hear this podcast they would hit me um but they have been here for a very very long time and they would know what to do and they've got the yeah they they know everything about it mm -hmm. so they would be um they would be crisis call people because they would know how to talk people um keep talking to people yeah. but yeah they're, they're all qualified and three years is the minimum before we even employ anybody excellent perfect thank you for joining us today um it's been it's i i've i found out a lot of stuff about eop that i didn't know so yeah, I'm hoping that people will realise it's not this scary thing. And I don't, I don't know what it is about EAP that gets people running the opposite direction. I've accessed them in previous employment and found them to be all of the things that you've said. Um, and I think, you know, hopefully by today, having that conversation, just teasing out what's on offer and, and that level of um, anonymity, if you want it, is there will encourage people we'll give you more work <laughs> yeah thanks, thanks for that. Being but no and, and what you know when people do use it i, I was uh, i was at Wolverhampton a couple of weeks ago about three weeks ago and a good friend of mine is a nurse there and um her ward know all about it but that's because she knows me mm. and it's not scary to them Mm. um and and she's had to use it this year mm -hmm. so she's like a massive advocate for us and we just need to find all these little people i mean it's a massive hospital mm. so we need to find these little people that we just say we have used it mm. especially the the non-clinical side of it mm. 
No. Um, unfortunately, in January, the legal side is very, very busy because that's when people descend, decide to get divorced. Um, but no one really talks about divorce, do they? They do. They talk about how much they hate their ex, <laughs> but they don't talk about the support if they've ever had to call about how, how they've helped them and stuff. So we just need a few more um, a few more people. And, and, you know, we'll get there. We, we've only worked with Wolverhampton what a year and a half mm. um, I've worked with Dudley for coming up to six years now um, they know me all around the place I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing but they know me but then it's like oh it's Joe from the EAP but it's not Joe from the EAP it's Joe from BHSF mm. so they know BHSF is cancelling service so they've kind of worked it a little differently so it, it's not as um I wouldn't say scary, but yeah, it's just Joe from BHSF coming talk talking about mm. the health and wellbeing number, not Joe coming to talk about the EAP. So, well, we'll um, at the end of this podcast, we'll add contact details, not for yourself, Joe, but for the helpline <laughs> um, and sort of passwords to access the site and all yep. that kind of thing, just to kind of remind people again um, that they can, you know, get in touch if the, if they need to. And and I know, you know, they would benefit massively from it. I mean, I totally agree with everything that you said. So thanks ever so much for taking the time out today to talk to us about it. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Retreat. Tune in next time for more insights from your colleagues in the West Midlands. If you have an interesting story that you would like to tell, please get in touch.